The following podcast contains explicit language. From New York City, this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm John McWhorter, and I want to go there or go here today. There's something I've been holding off on doing for about six months. And you know what? I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I want to do this one because I think it's genuinely interesting and educational and somewhat entertaining. It's all of those things. It is high time that we discussed the origin of the word known as, well, frankly, fuck, F-U-C-K, because it actually has a rather interesting history or non-history and a very interesting timeline. One learns so much. And I want to share with you what's been up and what is up and what will be up with this little word. And no, it doesn't come from some acronym. It isn't fornicating under consent of king or anything like that. Anything like that that you hear is a street myth. I mean, you should associate it with with heroin and rusting cars. It's a street myth like you know, Mikey from the Life commercial supposedly killed himself by putting a whole bag of Pop Rocks in his mouth and then chucking a can of Pepsi Cola and it just blew his head off like he was in Breaking Bad or something like that. Well, same thing with these fornicating under consent of King. Anything that good is almost never true. We learn to expect that as we become adults. And so it's a little more complicated than that. But, you know, really, it's not just complicated. It's a bit of a sort of it's all kind of a mystery. Fuck comes out of the mist, kind of like the town of Brigadoon. You never quite know where it's coming from. I mean, really, it should be pretty boring. So house, to take, you know, a boring word, traces back to Old English, and there was a word, and it was uh, hoose. That was Old English for house. So you think that fuck would trace back to some Old English word that would be uh, fook. There's no fook in Old English. And so it leaves you kind of squirreling around trying to find out where it came from. So let's start not from the beginning because we don't know where that is. Let's start from the middle. Let's start with the first attestation, the first real attestation of the word fuck. The first time that we have someone out and out using the word fuck clearly is in 1528. And it's in this strange place. There's this Latin manuscript. It's by Cicero. And on one page, down on the bottom, this monk scribbled something in 1528. And what he scribbled was O-D and then fucking Abbott. Not fucking, fucking. So you just see it in ink, you know, there's no such thing as a ballpoint pen yet, and he didn't do it in his blood. And so it's in ink, and it says, O.D. Fucking Abbott. And that's just where it is. No British accent that we know existed in 1528, but still, it looks like that's how he talked. That's what you have there. And it didn't mean old. He wasn't saying, old Fucking Abbott. It's O.D. Fucking Abbott. And the D is, most epigraphers think, an abbreviation for damned. So you had to be very careful about damned in this time. But the fucking part, that was just kind of bawdy. And there actually is evidence that the abbot under whom he would have worked had some sort of moral issue. I don't know if they know that it had to do with having sex, but there was something about that abbot. And so the monk, you know, calls him a a fucking abbot. Now, 
we can't know exactly what that monk meant. Did he mean that this was an abbot who was in the habit of fucking? Or did he mean that this was a dismissible abbot, the way we would use it? I mean, if somebody's using it in that dismissible way, like if you're saying something like, oh, well, fucking taxes or fucking West Wing. How come there's so many episodes so I can't catch up? You mean dismissible. But you wouldn't say that unless there'd been the sex word first. It's a metaphorical extension, as we call it. And so the idea is that if it's about sex and if sex is rather mundane and if there's some level upon which we like to think that we're not supposed to do it, unfortunately, then it could come to mean dismissible. So if the person was saying basically, well, I don't like him, fucking habit, then that means that the word fuck must have been even older. And there's a great deal of evidence that it was, but it all gets very veiled. It's never as clear before this monk scribble. Go back a little further and we're in 1503. And this time we're in Scots. Scots can be argued to not be English at all. Now, we all know that Scotland and England are near each other, and there's a rather intimate historical relationship. But in 1503, there is a Scots document where we get a use of the word. It's in this weird poem. And the part of it where we get this word requires a little bit of translation. And so, he clap it fast, he kissed and chook it. And chook it means fondled. So he clap it fast, he, he held on, he clap it fast, he kissed and shook it. As with the glacis, he were organ. Glacis means feeling, go figure. So organ means he was overcome. So as with the glacis, he were organ. Yet be his fairness, and that means, and yet by his manner, yet be his fairness, he would have fook it. And so it seemed as if he was getting ready to do this thing. Yet be his fair as he was to fuck it. You break my heart, my bonian. And bonian is not that Anne is bony. It means bonny. Like, hi, me bonny lass. And so my bonny one, my pretty one. So he clapped it fast. He kissed and shook it. As with the glacis, he were organ. Yet be as fair as he was to fuck it. You break my heart, my bonian. This <laughs> I'm insulting people in Scotland again with this non-accent. I'm sorry. It's the best I can do. I haven't been to Scotland yet. I was invited last summer, but I became weary of travel, and so I stayed in New York. I promise I'll get better. But I do know that I have to be careful because, you know, is Scots English or not? And no, they're are people who would say that Scots is a different language than English. Some people would say that Scots is a dialect of English. And as you can imagine, it's a subtle case where opinions may differ. Really, it's a matter of culture and politics. But we could try this, which is that Fuket, and especially the way fucked would have been said at the time in English itself, which would have been roughly Fuket, they're not different words. Many people would venture that they are different versions of what you could on some level think of as the same word. So you could say that this 1503 is an earlier fuck, or at least it's a fuck once removed because it's in Scots. And I'm beginning to feel a little funny saying that word over and over. And what do I do when I'm uncomfortable? Well, I play Broadway tunes. And of course, what we would have to do now 
is something having to do with Scotland. And I'm not going to play a bunch of songs with the word fuck in them because, frankly, we all probably know them. So I'm just going to kind of dance around it. Here we've got to do Scotland. It's obvious that we have to do the musical Brigadoon by Lerner and Lowe, more famous for My Fair Lady. This is their show of the late 40s. This is the 1958 recording. Those fans of you who listen for such things, this is the representative period recording. This is Susan Johnson singing My Mother's Wedding Day. So no F-U-C-K's in it, but you'll see why I played it when she gets to the punchline at the end. When finally my father came, his eyes were red, his nose aflame. He didn't even know his name. He was drunk as Gogamore. The people were lying all over the room, looking as if they were dead. Then mother uncovered the minister quick and she told him, go ahead. Then Tom knew down on Bill McRae and mother kneeled on Chuck McVay. The preacher stood on John See, the idea is that her parents had already had sex before she was born, just in case you didn't get it. In any case, that's 1503 with the chukit fukit. And then you go back and the word is real. It's like somebody is trying to hide it from us. We're in 1475. And there's this bizarre poem that's written in this sort of mishmash of English and Latin. And at one point, there's this passage where it's talking about these friars, not not chickens, but religious figures and these friars. And in Latin, it's non sunt in coily. They aren't in heaven. Non sunt in coily. And then all of a sudden, it's literally. I mean, all of a sudden, it looks like it's in Welsh, but it isn't in Welsh. Really, what it is, is it's in code. It's actually very interesting. And so, it really is G-X-D-D-B-O-V. Well, what it is, is it's the letters after what they're supposed to be. So, G, well, the letter before that is F. You see where it's going. X, the letter before that in 1475 is U, because V doesn't exist yet. U and V are the same thing. And W is just thought of, to the extent that anybody does, as U. So the letter before the X is a U. So F, U, then two Ds, that's two C, C. And so the word ends up spelling fucant in Latin, which means they fuck. But it doesn't. That wasn't a word in Latin. It's this humor that's supposed to be funny. But that means that the friars aren't in heaven because they fucant, and then it's the wives of Eli. So they So it isn't written, but you can work it out from this code. So they're being kind of... <laughs> They're kind of coy, but it's there. So it's not official because they don't actually write it, but you can tell that they had the word and that it had the same meaning that we associate with it. And then before that, it really is, it's like they were trying to make us laugh. It seems almost too good to be true. Nobody uses the word anymore. But before that, suddenly names start popping up in sober documents. And so, for example, in 1310, and not even just once, not even just once, you read about Roger Fuck by the Naval. I'm not kidding. That's what it says. And yes, his name was Roger. Roger Fuck by the Naval turns up in court records because he was apparently a bit of a scamp. And you think that that must have been some sort of one-off 
joke or something. But, you know, nobody seems to think it's very funny in these documents. And really just, you know, a few decades before in the late 1200s, you have Henry Fuckbegger and Simon Fuckbutter. These were real people. Now, one must be careful, you know, as a scholar, one must be careful. And, you know, life usually isn't funny. And there are some people who say that fuck must not have meant to them what it means to us. They think that fuck meant to hit. And that's not crazy because especially with fuck beggar, there's a different version of that name in straight up old English, which is Butevillain, which meant hit street fucker, <laughs> basically street beggar, churl, hit churl. So fuck beggar could have been calked, as we say, on hit fellow. Sure. But then with fuck butter, I imagine that there may have been bonnie lasses who talked about going out to hit the butter. But let's face it, if you think about the actual action of churning butter, it seems rather precisely parallel to a certain other kind of action. Fuck butter. And for fuck by the navel, I mean, really, let's think about it. Given what the navel looks like and, you know, what it's near, for what purpose would anybody be hitting around the navel? I mean, what kind of practice would that have been? You're not going to be hitting around anybody's navel. Fuck by the navel is a joke because Presumably there's somebody who in a less enlightened era maybe didn't immediately understand what he was supposed to do. But no, this was not people kind of slapping one another's belly buttons as a kind of a joke. Just because it was a long time ago doesn't mean that people were stupid or that they weren't horny. Fuck by the navel meant what it sounds like. And so I think we can be pretty sure, just as we can be sure that a song that was sung in a 1929 early talkie musical called Sunny Side Up called Turn On The Heat was not really about a furnace. Now, the way it was originally done, I'll play you a bit. It was easy to miss it. I recommend watching this. It's all these people who can neither dance nor sing and basically burn themselves up. But here's the song as it was done. This is a De Silva Brown and Henderson song. This is Sharon Lynn singing Turn On The Heat. So this is the version where you might not know. But then if you take the song and make it into minor art, as the cabaret artist Bobby Short did, you can hear that actually, despite the fact that this is 1929 and it's nasty, cynical, easy, lowest common denominator pop, it was about doing the deed, just like fuck by the navel must have been. Listen to Bobby Short. Why did I just say lesson? Listen to Bobby Short and his rendition in the 70s of Turn On The Heat, which no one had done this way until now. Papa or Papa will freeze. Oh, start burning the snow. If you are good, my little radiator. 
So it's been said that in 1278, we have the real firsty, firsty, first attestation of fuck. And this is um, about John the fucker, or more precisely, he's John Le Fucker, because he's French. Because remember the French, the Normans ran England for a good long time after the Battle of Hastings. And by 1278, we're still dealing with the shadows of that. But the problem with this guy being John LaFucker is that you have to do philological research and you see that fucker, for one thing, was not about sex, at least not at first, because there were many names. Fucker is a variation. There were fulchers, there were fulchiers, there were fuckers, and then there were fuckers. And so it's just one variation. But more to the point, this was a French name. And already by this time, it would have been pronounced not fucker, but Fouquet. So this is Jean Le Fouquet. Now, we immediately think, well, that's kind of like saying John the fucker, but in a Clouseau-esque accent. But remember, this is a time when almost nobody can read. This is a purely oral society. And so when you met this person who was Jean Le Fouquet, you didn't think about an F-U-C-K-E-R on the page. You heard somebody say Jean Le Fouquet, and to the extent that you could see something spelled, which you couldn't, it was F-O-U-C-A-I-R-E. We're talking very Peter Sellers here. And so it would be, for example, like suppose your name is Bucket, and you wish to sound French and sophisticated, and so you call yourself Bouquet. You would only think of that if you were a literate person, and you could see Bucket on the page, and you think about French spelling, and you think, oh, well, it's going to be Bouquet. Well, Fucker and Fouquet would have been the same thing if you couldn't see it, if somebody tells you their name is Fouquet, you're not going to think, oh, 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 I must have been the fucker. No, you would just think, ah, you're one of those French chaps. And that's about it. Yes, you all know what I'm talking about. Of course, I have to give you a little clip of Patricia Routledge in Keeping Up Appearances doing the bucket bouquet number. This is from a late, great Britcom of the 90s. She's like 118 now. There's no need to take that attitude. This is a serious customer inquiry. My name is Bouquet, B-U-C-K-E-T. No, it's not Bucket, it's Bouquet. By the way, there was Fouché, there was Fouchier, there was Fouquet, there was Fouquet. There were other variations on this name, and one of them was Fulger. And so as that switched over, as it would have, you know, Fouchier becomes Fulcher, well, Fulger became Fulcher. And that means that on a certain level, there are people all over the United States drinking fuckers coffee. I find that a very important thing to know, especially during these short winter days. But in any case, no fucker, John. That one doesn't work. And so Roger fuck by the navel and Simon fuck butter and Henry fuck beggar have to be our first fucks. And so we've gotten all the way back. And here's where the problem is. This is the problem. We go back to Old English. I've dragged you back to Middle English. But then we go back to Old English. And there's no, there's no fook. Instead, there's thick. 
There's a word that today would be thick, and it meant to deceive. And that goes down to Middle English. There was a word fike, which meant to trick somebody, to deceive somebody. And yes, if you deceive somebody, then you're you're fucking them over. And so you think, well, maybe that could have developed into fuck. But if you think about it, the metaphorical development really is only going to go one way. It's one thing to start with the meaning of to have sex with and for that to metaphorically come to mean for the unfortunate reason that you might associate sex with power relations and, you know, imposition, etc. Given that, you might imagine that fuck might come to mean to fuck somebody over, to do somebody a bad turn, to trick somebody, to overpower somebody in some way. That's one thing. But if the word starts out meaning to deceive then why would that word then come to mean to have sex with somebody? It would seem to involve a certain underrating of one's powers. You know, imagine somebody saying, ah, well, me and Suki went up in the hayloft and I deceived it. You know, that's not what somebody would say. You talk about the deceiving as a kind of fucking later. It's not the way you would start. And so it doesn't seem likely. And besides, even more basically, a seven-year-old might ask, no, I did not discuss this with my six-year-old, but a seven-year-old might ask, how do you get from thick to fuck? You know, the word wasn't fuck. It was, it was thick. So thick, fuck, that's not a normal sound change. It could happen if somebody got struck by lightning, but if they did, they'd probably die and they wouldn't pass on their way of speaking to their children. So how do you get from thick to fuck? And so because you just don't have anything in Old English that's plausible, the experts on this, quite appropriately, have looked elsewhere. And the idea is that English must have borrowed the word for fuck from somewhere else. The place where a lot of people have settled is German. And you know what? I disagree with them. I don't think that this word comes from German. Now, I say that even though in you know, dialectal German, I don't even know how dialectal it is because I certainly heard it more than once during my German sojourns. One word for fuck it is ficken. I once heard somebody referred to as a quick fick, and that meant like a quick, you can imagine. But that is the word. And fickle is one word for the penis. And apparently, either in the past or now, I'm not sure which, if you're German and you're walking around swooshing a stick, you say fick, fick. So if you've got that stick in your hand and you're trying to get a raccoon out of your house, if you're German, fick, fick, you get out, you raccoonstein, you, what is it? German raccoon, is it a raubtier? I don't know. That's a guess. Mike, if that's wrong, don't cut it out. I, I'm enjoying trying to remember German for raccoon. But yeah, thick, thick, thick. So, okay. But there are problems with this. For one thing, how do you get from thick to fuck? You know, if their word is ficken, then how come we're fucking? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. We get blitz from them. You know, there's been a blitz of advertisements, but it didn't go from blitz to blutz. So why ficked? It doesn't make sense. And then there are words in German where you've got the proper vowel, like fucken. It means to hurry. But once again, that's a rather an odd source for what we're supposed to be talking about. How much of a hurry are you supposed to be in? Then there's a word fuchsen, which does mean to fuck someone over. But again, it's backwards. That's not the first word you would use for enjoying the, the pleasures of the bed. And really, mainly. The whole German thing, it sounds quite 
authoritative. It's from the low German ficken, facken, fucken, flicken, flick, etc. But the problem with it is that's not really part of the English story overall. English is all about how you get a whole lot of words from Scandinavian and then a whole lot of words from French, then a trickle from Dutch that need not concern us, and then there are words from Latin and Greek. That's how the story goes. There isn't some grand German story. That's not how the history worked. And if you're talking about something as integral to experience, not to mention you know, humor as F-U-C-K, I don't see how anybody would have gotten it from Germans that they spent the summer with chasing girls or maidkins or something like that. It just doesn't add up. I think more elegantly, frankly, where we're supposed to get the word is from them Vikings. The Vikings, they start coming and messing things up in England in 787 AD, and they spoke Old Norse, which very quickly became what we know today as Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. And you know, there are better fuck words scattered throughout Scandinavian, especially if you deal with the dialects, i.e. what's spoken by the real people, not things in books. You know, nobody uses these words in Ibsen, but in Ibsen, all anybody basically does is stand around and then somebody walks out the door at the end. But in, say, regional Swedish, one word for fuck is, get this, folka. I don't think they had the tone yet, but it's just fun to say. Folka. I'm just making up those tones, but folka. Now, there you go. It's just F-O-K-K-A. That's one of many. So basically, we can trace fuck back to fuck. That's called scientific elegance and precision. The Vikings came. They were mostly men. We now know that not only from what people said, but from the genetic evidence. And, you know, men will be men. And they married a lot of English women. And we can presume that they did a lot of what this word refers to. That would be its entree into the language. There is always a little part of me for no decent reason that conflates Scandinavians and the Amish, basically because of American immigration patterns. And when I was thinking about sharing this folk uh, business with you, I thought, well, clearly that's going to be a plain and fancy. Plain and fancy is a 1956 Broadway musical of no particular import. It was about the Amish. And there is one cute song in it. This is sung by Douglas Fletcher Rogers, where he's singing about why he's going to settle for Katie rather than wait to fall in love. And of course, nobody in plain and fancy has sex. I guess the Amish don't either until they get married, except maybe when they do their room springer. But needless to say, that didn't happen in the musical. But this is him singing about why not Katie. Once you promised Ilsa Brett, when she grew up, you she'd get. But she ain't stopped growing yet, so I'll take Katie. Once I kissed Dora Land, I found schmutzing Dora Grand. So did half of Bird in Hand, so I'll kiss Katie. It could be, if I wait, comes along a perfect mate. But for this, a man could wait until he's 80. So tomorrow when I stand with my hand in Katie's hand And in meeting house they put me on the spot In a clear and honest voice Since I ain't got no other choice I'll answer Katie Sweet and lovely Katie Hard working Katie Why not? I don't think it was German. That's just me, but still. 
And I'll bet it was Scandinavian because so much was. But then on the other hand, it really may be that there was a word fook in Old English because the truth is only so much Old English comes down to us. It's a whole lot. It's about 34,000 words, but that's nothing like the whole language. And it's one thing to say, well, Old English didn't have it because it isn't in all of those ballads and Beowulfs and chronicles. But those things really only capture a certain sliver of humanity. And you can just imagine that way off in the future, we're, you know, in the matrix or something. And I mean, that the analogy doesn't quite work, but somebody is trying to figure out what kind of profanity we had. And it happens that what they've got from our time is a copy of Charlotte's Web, and they watch an episode of Good Times, and they read five issues of The New Yorker. And imagine somebody saying, well, they didn't have fuck because, you know, it's not in the corpus. Well, no, it's just that Wilbur never fucked. And so you have to be very careful about these things. I frankly think I would bet some money, not all my money, but about half of it, that if you could go back in time and you stood in some town square in Northumbria and you just yelled out, let's fukan, I'll bet people would have turned around and went, ah, they would have known what you meant. But we can't know. So see, it all just kind of comes out of the mists of time. We'll never know. Watch somebody find concrete evidence tomorrow and ruin the drama of that. But for now, we'll never, never know. And so 1500 is when it's first there. And for a little while, it's not the hardest thing in the world to find somebody writing, you know, fuck with a giggle. But then it starts to go into eclipse again in print. So English starts getting very prissy about things having to do with the body. So it's no longer about abbreviating damned. It's no longer about God. It's about the holes in your body and what goes into them and what comes out of them. And so it ends up being that there is no F-U-C-K in any English language dictionary from the late 1700s until 1965. And so what that means is, you know, no Samuel Johnson. There's no story about him writing some sassy note about F-U-C-K. He just leaves it out as much of a mess as he was. Not in the dictionaries until 1965. To me, that's the year I was born, but I know that doesn't matter. To most of you, try that that's the year that Dylan starts playing the electric guitar. All the drama that people found in that. That's a long, long time. And in between, you find it written, but only in the pastiest little places. This is my favorite one. Babe Ruth was a baseball player. Notice how seldom I ever mention sports. Babe Ruth was a baseball player. He grew up, and that's because he had parents who kind of raised him, and his parents did not get along. And his mother and the bartender of the bar that his father had apparently had what we now call a thing. And at one point, the bartender was forced to write an affidavit that attests to what or maybe who he had done. And this affidavit survives. And this is actually how it reads. And I'm not quite sure why this is what they had him write down. But this bartender says... I, the undersign, fucked Mrs. George H. Ruth, March 12, 1906, on her dinging room floor, which she asked me to do. It's the funniest thing. Undersign is two words. It does say fucked. You know, straight out. It's not in code. It's not. It's just fucked. 
And then Mrs. G-O-H, and H with a comma, Ruth, March 12th, 1906. People were, you know, having sex in 1906 on her dinging, not dining, on her dinging room floor, which is spelled with a T in the middle. So it's like, you know, a little witch. She, and he very, very gallantly capitalizes the S on the she. But there it is. I, the undersigned, fucked Mrs. G-O-H Ruth, March 12th, 1906, on her dinging room floor, which she asked me to do. That's my favorite early-ish F-U-C-K. Baseball, cursing, ragtime, the musical. This is the song, What a Game. The father, who is straight-laced, is Mark Jacoby. And he doesn't like the kind of language that his boy is picking up as he watches people play baseball around the time that this thing happened on a dinging room floor in Baltimore in 1906. Take a listen to this one. I love this song. So people were using it, but you had to be very careful about it. There's a beautiful description of British soldiers in World War One. This is from 1930, I think. But one person said it became so common that an effective way for the soldier to express this emotion was to omit this word. Thus, if a sergeant said, get your fucking rifles, it was understood as a matter of routine. But if he said, get your rifles, there was an immediate implication of urgency and danger. Except, of course, he didn't write fuck. It was with the little dashes. So that's how much people were using it in those, you know, flickery black and white times that we know as World War I. I highly recommend seeing the film that's been restored recently of World War I, where you see them in color, nice and smooth, moving like normal people. That actually happened. And when this came out, I was thinking those guys were <laughs> saying fuck. So, it existed, but you couldn't talk about it. People could get so clever about it, though. I mean, to the extent that there was a prudery about it, it did sometimes enhance humor. Dorothy Parker wrote theater reviews from 1918 to 1923. Nobody cares about them now, but she was just as funny then as she was later. Most of what she reviewed was trash, and she was very funny about it. And at one point for a play in, I'm pretty sure it was 1922, she says, if I were to tell you the plot of the piece in detail, you would feel that the only honorable thing for you to do would be to marry me. <laughs> That's very good. And this is for something that, you know, barely anybody was really reading. Or West Side Story, the Jet Song, when the dancing gangsters come out. Stephen Sondheim does the lyrics. It's Leonard Bernstein's music. Well, you can't have people yelling fuck on Broadway in 1957. And so they euphemized it, but you know exactly 
what they meant. This is the end of the jet song. If you hear this as kind of cliched now, imagine going to Broadway musicals in 1957 and everything is like plain and fancy. And all of a sudden you have this. This sounds like gangsters now. And it was written when people were drinking Ovaltine and nobody had invented sex yet. Here come the jet chat and we're gonna be every last bargain gang on the whole bargain street on the whole. Now, one thing we can be sure of is that it wasn't used as much. Cursing has fashions, and fuck certainly existed, but it wasn't used nearly as punctuation the way it is by many people today, and sometimes it's even a little bit me. And so, for example, What Price Glory was a play about World War I in the 1920s. What Price Glory was 1924, and it was famed. For being very profane, you weren't supposed to take a proper young person to see what price glory because they're doing all this cussing. Well, I checked it out and lots of damn and hell, but nobody ever says fuck or shit in the whole play, despite how profane it was supposed to be. And despite that the soldiers in question were using that word. Now, predictably, they did make a movie of what price glory. And boy, it's very interesting to experience the language that they used in that. Here's a clip. The reason that you're not hearing anything is because it was a silent film. They made it two years later. It's 1926. But it got around that you were supposed to try to read the lips of the actors because they were using such salty language. Well, I did that. And the only thing that they're saying that I can see and I don't happen to be deaf, but I'm pretty sure I looked at all of it. They're saying son of a bitch and they're saying prick, but nobody says fuck. So even on that set, when there was no sound, it wasn't considered gentlemanly to use words like that, even around other gentlemen, maybe because the script girl was sitting there or something like that. Son of a bitch and prick, but not fuck. Or for example, if my father in the 70s or 80s had hit himself with a hammer on his thumb, like a cartoon character. Does anybody actually ever do that? But if he had done it, I'm pretty sure he would have said shit. He would have hauled off and said shit in a good, meaty fashion. I would say fuck. I'm of a different generation. If I hit my thumb with a hammer or if I stub my toe, it's not, oh, shit. No, it's fuck. That's what I would say. It's become more common. And there's one particular rendition of fuck that we do have to we have to touch upon it because it's grammatically interesting. Oh, what's that vamp that I'm hearing in the background? Yeah, I'm sure you all know what this is. And so here we go with They say this cat shaft is a bad mother. I'm done my shaft. He's a complicated man, but no one understands him but his woman. So obviously the word elided there is is motherfucker. And motherfucker is actually interesting. It's very interesting. Now you want to know when it first occurs. And no, it isn't in 1650. There's nobody who says, why? That gentleman is quite the ma that or something like that. It's actually pretty late. 1890, there's a report in the records of the Texas Court of Appeals that somebody the year before had called somebody, Mike, can I have the crackly thing? So it sounds like 1889. 
goddamn motherfucking bastardly son of a bitch. That's the first motherfucker. But what's interesting about motherfucker is that if you think about it, motherfucker, (laughs) sorry, motherfucker is really the way that one properly says fucker. You know, there's the verb to fuck. Now, if there's somebody who fucks, like a hunt, hunter, fuck, fucker. But if you think about it, fucker is a little incomplete. You can say it, but really the proper, complete, fulfilling way of saying fucker, i.e. he or she who fucks, is motherfucker if you're using it as an insult. Just like somebody might say orientated, and you're not going to smack them down, but a lot of us have this feeling that oriented is better. You know, it's not really, it's a matter of chance. But if you prefer oriented, orientated feels just not quite right. And you might ask somebody about it. Or there are people who say mischievous. And if you're not one of them and you say mischievous, then you feel mischievous. What? Eh. Well, in the same way, if you hear somebody say, why, well, you fucker, you think to yourself, no, no, it's not fucker. It's motherfucker. That's what you call the person. So there was a Broadway play called The Motherfucker with the Hat. Motherfucker is the word fucker with a hat on. It needs that hat. So it's kind of an irregular noun. So hunt, hunter, fish, fisherman. Notice that that's an irregularity that you never think about. Hunt, hunter, fish, fisherman. Fuck, motherfucker. Not just fucker. In any case, we have just lost Nancy Wilson. And one of the many things she wanted was for us to call her. She didn't want us to call her maybe. She wanted us to call her for real. And often the song is written by Tony Hatch. The lyrics are by Herb Alpert and Lanny Hall. It was written in 1965. Nancy Wilson's version is 1966. She wanted us to call her. The song is Call Me. This is a perfect cut of the late, great Nancy Wilson. If you're feeling sad and lonely There's a service I can render Tell the one who loves you only I can be so warm and tender Call me, don't be afraid you can call me Maybe it's late but just call me Tell me and I'll be around In any case, you can reach us at Lexicon Valley at Slate.com that's Lexicon Valley at Slate.com. To listen to past shows and subscribe or just to reach out, go to Slate.com slash Lexicon Valley. I promise all of you a very clean topic next time to make up for all of this profanity. But I just, I needed to share and it's the top of the year and the days are short. The show is edited as always by Mike Volo. I'm John McWhorter reminding those of you who remember the 80s commercial that the best part of waking up is fuckers in your cup. There's so much that I can do If you go, I'll be right with you You and I should be together Take this love along to give you I'll be at your side forever Call me Please call me Call me, tell me